Hi, this is Cindy. This is October. In a lot of people's estimation, this is pumpkin month. I just want to say for the record that my pumpkin season doesn't really even start until November and it goes through the end of December because I always associate pumpkin flavors with Thanksgiving and with Christmas because that's when we had our pumpkin stuff. But a lot of people really start looking for their pumpkin fix in October. This being the end of October, I'm going to play some previous podcasts because I have so many pumpkin recipes because I really do love it. And there's no sense in trying to invent something new when I have so many that are so good for you to try right now. Some of these are extraordinary dishes. So for the next two to six weeks, you're going to hear a lot of pumpkin recipes. I hope you will tune in and listen. I hope you will try them. I hope you will let me know how you like them. And if there's anything else you need in the meanwhile to go with your pumpkin flavors, please visit thecookalongpodcast.com. And now, here's this week's pumpkin podcast. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. there. I'm Cindy Linden and this is the Cook Along Podcast. I have a new recipe. I have a brand new recipe. You won't find this anywhere else online or in anybody's kitchen because I just created it and I'm excited to share it because it took a number of versions to make this work and uh, now I have something perfect to offer you. This is a recipe for something I am calling Chewy pumpkin spice squares. And it's not right now pumpkin season, but there are those of us in the world who don't believe there's a pumpkin season. Anytime is pumpkin season. All seasons are pumpkin season. We just like pumpkin. We like pumpkin spices, and we don't need a holiday to give us an excuse to eat it. I'm one of those people, and so here's this new recipe, and I'll tell you how it came about. Some of it I'll tell you as we go along here. But the start of the story is that my partner has, this is so classic, a metal file card box with old recipes in it on file cards. And most of them, this is also classic, she's never cooked. Nobody probably has ever cooked. Well, somebody did once upon a time. But she was sorting through some things in the box and... 
was looking for ways to use pumpkin because we have a bunch in our freezer from the squashes that we roasted and pureed last fall. And she left one sitting out. She didn't opt to make this, but she left one sitting out where I came across it and I saw the title and I just thought it was a fabulous idea. It was called Pumpkin Brownies. Now, this doesn't mean there's chocolate. There wasn't chocolate. It was just pumpkin-flavored bars that were created and baked and eaten as though they were brownies. And I just thought that sounded like a great idea. So I baked them up, and we're going to do that today, only that is not the recipe I ended up with. But let's get started. Let me tell you what you need. First, you have some do-aheads. You want to get an egg out of your refrigerator and set it on your counter to warm up. It should have plenty of time to warm up, but if you're doing this short term somehow and you don't have time for it to warm up, I have been known to, I'm embarrassed to tell you this, I have been known to stick it down in my bra to warm up an egg. There you go. That's one of the more embarrassing facts of my cooking life. It works for what it's worth. It does work. You shouldn't need to do that today. It should have plenty of time to warm up. But do set it out. The second do ahead is to spray an 8 by 8 inch baking pan. Mine happens to be glass. It's Pyrex or something. Yes, it's Pyrex. You could use a 9 by 9 if that's what you have as your brownie pan. The timing will need to be a little different and you'll need to watch it a little more carefully. I think that's all. I'm not going to ask you to preheat the oven at this point because we have time to do that later because there are two sort of two parts to this recipe and one has to sit for a while. Let me give you the ingredients. You want one and a half cups of dark brown sugar. If you don't have dark brown sugar, light brown will be fine. Dark brown just gives it a little extra extra. You want a half cup of canned pumpkin. This is not pumpkin pie filling, which has all the spices and stuff in it. It's just canned pureed pumpkin. And that isn't a whole can, so you may need to do this more than once. And you know what? I think you'll find that's okay. Half a cup of butter, that's with the salt in it. The egg that you've already set out, which is going to be room temperature by the time we need it. You need a teaspoon of vanilla extract one and two-thirds cups of all-purpose flour, a half a teaspoon of salt, a half a teaspoon of ground cinnamon, a quarter of a teaspoon each of ground ginger, ground cloves, ground nutmeg, and then a half cup of chopped walnuts. And then for the top, I like to use decorator sugar or large crystal sugar. You could also use granulated sugar to sprinkle over the top or true to form if these were brownies instead of pumpkin bars, or you could use some powdered sugar that you sift over the top. In addition to the 8x8 eight eight brownie pan, you also need a two-quart nonstick saucepan. I haven't tried it in one that isn't nonstick. You are welcome to do that. I think it'll be okay as long as you keep stirring it. Nonstick is just easier to get the stuff out of. And what else? A rubber spatula or a silicone spatula, something like that. And a way to chop up some nuts. And you know what? Actually, that's, that's another do-ahead now that I'm thinking about it. We need to chop some walnuts. So when you're done chopping them, you're going to want a half a cup. 
As you may have heard me talk about before, I have a gadget that you turn a crank and it chops the nuts. If you don't have that, that's really just fine. It's just as easy or almost as easy to put the nuts on your cutting board and chop it with a sharp knife. I'm going to use my gadget and I have a pretty good sense now of how many whole nuts it takes to get me a half cup of ground nuts because I've made this recipe. This is my sixth time in the last week and a half because I was trying to get it right. I was trying to get it to what my imagination had conjured when I saw the title. If you hear a funny noise, that's me grinding the nuts. I keep my walnuts in the freezer because I buy them in large packages. And if you don't freeze them, that oil in the nuts goes rancid after a while and you can't eat them anymore because they taste icky. So maybe these are a little harder than yours might be. You probably could use pecans for this recipe as well if you have those on hand instead. I like the walnuts in it. They don't have to be tiny. They just need to be chopped up. So if you're doing this on the cutting board, don't feel like you have to get them minuscule. This chopper actually gets them smaller than probably would be best. In other words, the nuts are probably more flavorful and better in the recipe if they're not tiny. So don't feel like you have to really, really cut them up. All right, now I think the do heads are done. And I've told you all the ingredients and I think I've told you all the tools you're gonna need. So, to begin, in your saucepan on the stove, measure out one and a half cups of firmly packed brown sugar. I do this right out of the bag, as you can hear, I'm sure, <laughs> and just push down on the plastic to get it packed into my measuring cup. And I'm using a half cup measuring cup three times. And then add your pumpkin to that. And I've already measured mine out, sorry about that. If you need to pause this recording for a minute to measure out your half cup pumpkin, that's okay. I'll be here when you get back. So all of these things, the, all of these things, both of these things, the brown sugar and the pumpkin, are going into your two-quart saucepan. I think actually mine's two and a half. Doesn't matter. It should be fairly sizable because we're going to melt this together now. And as it melts, it's also going to spit a little. And it will spit less if your pan's a little bit bigger. So now turn that on. Turn your burner in on underneath this to medium heat, which is a five on my dial. And start stirring it. And the pumpkin doesn't look, it doesn't look like it's going to mix in with this and make a liquid, but it really is. And part of that happens when the sugar starts to melt. So just stir it up until it looks like it's kind of making a paste. See that? It comes, it just does come together. It's always a surprise to me because it doesn't look like there's nearly enough liquid in that pumpkin to make it come together into a paste with all that brown sugar, but it does, lo and behold. Now what we're gonna do here is bring it to boiling over this medium heat. And by boiling, you know, if you boil water, it's got a lot of rolling bubbles and, and a lot of activity in the pan. Now this is too thick to do that, so it won't look like that when it's boiling, but it will start to bloop, bloop a little bit, and that's your cue that it's probably about as boiling as it's gonna get. 
And that's what we're going to be looking for. And you can sort of leave this right now. It's not that important to watch it. But shortly, you're going to need to stir it constantly with your rubber or uh, silicone spatula. I don't know why I have trouble remembering that word. Silicone spatula. Probably because I didn't grow up with anything like that. Whoever heard of silicone? Except in breast implants. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure not the same thing at all. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know anything about this stuff. While you're waiting for that to come to a boil, why don't you pull out your half cube of butter? It doesn't have to be room temperature. In fact, it's probably better if it isn't room temperature because we're going to add it to a hot mixture and it will help the mixture cool down. But it isn't a bad idea to get it out now because when we need it, we will need it. I've gone through a lot of brown sugar and a lot of pumpkin in the past couple of weeks trying to get this recipe right. And it's just been really fun. And I will tell you that there was no version of this that was so bad that we decided not to eat it. In other words, this is the sixth batch and the first five are gone. Oh no, I think I froze a little of one of them. But we just kind of go, oh, well, there's another batch that isn't quite right. And then we eat it. And we just eat it until it's gone, which we've done in as, as little as a day because I needed the pan back. And so we just kind of gave that as an excuse to keep eating them. So that kind of gives you a clue maybe that the flavor on these has been pretty close to right from the beginning. What hasn't been what I wanted was the texture. I really wanted something, well, something chewy, sort of like a really good, dense brownie. And that's been hard to achieve. The original recipe for this that I tried was too uh, cakey. It was a cakey. If you like cakey brownies, this would have been right. I really had in my head something that if it was chocolate, you'd call it fudgy. I guess, you know, that's really got some resistance when you eat it and it's just chewy and fun to eat for the texture as much as for the flavor. So I was aiming at your kind of classic chewy, slightly wet brownies. And the truth is I actually got there. And then once I got there on version five, a group of taste testers, not professionals, but family members all decided that they liked version four better. So we're doing version four today. I don't care for cakey brownies. I don't see the point. I want them chewy. I want them dense. And again, this doesn't have any chocolate in it. Just want to emphasize that. It is pumpkin flavored, no chocolate. I use the word brownie simply to express the texture that I was looking for. And, and that's the closest I can get to finding something that's been probably mostly universally kind of experienced, and you'll know what I'm talking about. So after I tried the first version, uh, let's look at this. All right, it really is a liquid now. Yeah, this will be starting to bubble a little bit fairly soon. It can still sit, you don't have to stir it, just give it a quick turn and then it'll be okay for a few more minutes. So the second version, the second version, I thought, okay, if it's too cakey, let's look and see what the ingredients are in here. And it was kind of a weird recipe. 
well, no, I shouldn't say that. It had a weird ingredient. It had some, I call them instant mashed potatoes. You know, the dried stuff that you can whip up with a little milk and butter and they turn into mashed potatoes without any potatoes ever having crossed the stove. And I decided that was probably because it needed a way to suck up the moisture from the pumpkin. Because, I don't know if you know this, but you can use mashed potatoes to do things like that. If you have something that's too watery, you can use that instant mashed stuff. For instance, gravy. That instant mashed potato stuff can thicken your gravy. It can thicken your soup if it's too thin. There are a lot of cool ways to use it, which led me to believe that it was probably in this recipe, specifically because pumpkin is so wet. But in looking at the ingredients, I noticed that there was also baking powder in it. And baking powder, of course, is what you put in something to encourage it to rise and fluff up. So the first thing I decided was to look at how brownie recipes, actual brownie recipes stack up with that in terms of how much, whether they use baking powder at all, and if so, how much. And as I looked at the recipes, I realized there were other ingredients that were also important. For instance, things that give moisture. So in addition to, I'm stirring this stuff again. Just don't forget we're stirring stuff. The other things that give moisture were the oil or fat. You know, it's usually either vegetable oil of some sort or butter that you maybe melt to put into a brownie recipe. So I started writing down lists of not just the baking powder, but how much flour, because that makes it drier and or cakier, how much of an oil or butter, and how many eggs. And it was it was kind of interesting. I ended up using, I think, six five brownie recipes that I have and a blondie recipe, which for those who may not know is like brownie, but it's sort of just brown sugar toffee flavor. There's no chocolate in it. So I looked at all of those recipes and discovered that most of them had no baking powder. Two of them had a little bit of baking powder, but nowhere near what this found recipe had in it. And the number of eggs varied between one and three, and the fat component, the oil, varied from a third of a cup to a whole cup. Wait, is that right? Might have been half a cup. I don't think it ever went to a full cup. Stirring again. How are we doing? And the flour went anywhere from a half a cup to a cup and a third. So with that kind of disparity, I realized I was kind of on my own, although it it was helpful to see what other recipes used. So for recipe number two, I cut out the baking powder. I increased the egg. So I used two eggs instead of one. And uh, what else? Did I cut the flour? I think I cut the flour as well down to about half of what it was. And perhaps, per- oh, there, I got bubbles. I got bubbles. Yep, we're starting. All right, when yours starts a bubble, even just a little bit, I'm looking here to see if it's going to keep going. Stir it up a little bit, see if it's going to keep going. Are you bubbling still? I can't tell. Well, now it's being shy. I think it's going to go, though. Yeah, yeah, there it goes. All right, when yours starts to bubble, You need to now stir it constantly. We're going to set the timer for 12 minutes. There we go. 
And then we got to just keep it going. And as you're stirring it, be sure to scrape the sides of the pan because the crystals of the sugar are going to kind of move their way up the pan a little bit as you stir. And they will recrystallize instead of being melted. We're almost making caramels here. We're melting sugar and a little liquid and it's trying to caramelize it. So right now, if you pick up your spatula and let stuff drip off of it, you'll see that what's dripping is like uh, liquid. It's maybe like, oh, you know, a thin maple syrup. What we're aiming for is to have it thicken up to the point where it barely drops off this spatula, where you really have to kind of tap it to get it to drop off. And that's one of the things I learned, but I'll tell you about that in a minute. Okay, so where was I? So, so version two, to nobody's surprise, really, I suppose, it came out to be too wet. It was more dense, yes. It hadn't risen as much, but it did still rise, even without the baking powder. And it was just really wet, kind of like, well, almost like a pumpkin pie bar, uh, which was not what I was after. So back to the drawing board. So with version three, I had to dry it back out again. Now you're stirring your stuff here, don't, because it's going to start to spit now. In fact, let's turn this down just a little bit. Let's turn it down to about three so that it'll continue to simmer. We don't need to boil it for 12 minutes, but we do need to simmer it. We're trying to condense it a little bit. So we want some of this moisture to evaporate out and it's going to thicken it that way. Okay, version three. Version three, because version two had been too wet, I beefed up the flour. I put the flour back in and I cut back to one egg. I thought maybe all I needed to do was cut out the baking powder. And I didn't give that a try. You know, I made other modifications at the same time. So I went back and just cut out the baking powder and put the flour back in and cut the egg back out, the extra egg. And this time it was denser. It wasn't quite as cakey, although it was still cakey. It was denser and it was too dry. It was just kind of too dry this time. So I'd gone too far in the other direction. At that point, I went to do some research to figure out why was it still cakey if there was no baking powder in it. And it turns out that the pumpkin itself, because of the nature of the pumpkin, that is that it's, I guess, squash and that it has a lot of moisture in it, it will make stuff rise all by itself. So the minute you add pumpkin to this concept, you've pretty much accepted that it's going to rise. And my research led me to a website called Love from the Oven, where its host, Christy Johnstone, has talked about pumpkin. And I owe her a huge debt of gratitude because that's when things began to make sense to me. The Love from the Oven site explained to me about the nature of the pumpkin. It's the first place I'd seen that. I'm going to just stop my story here a little and look at what we got. So pick up your spatula now and uh, allow stuff to drip off of it. And you'll see that it's quite different than it was when we started. I'm down to four minutes here. 
and it's coming off now not in a stream but in glops. This is good, it's still a little too thin. So continuing on with my story. So Christy Johnstone on the Love from the Oven site explained about the pumpkin that it is its nature to make things rise and she offered some suggestions that made sense to me, or at least I thought were worth experimenting with because I didn't, I didn't understand it until she explained it. We have to take the pumpkin and turn it into something else. It can't go in as pumpkin. We have to make it into something new so that it doesn't behave with its usual chemical reaction as a rising agent for the brownies, uh, squares. I shouldn't call them brownies anymore. And that's what we're doing here. We're actually, I mean, I think if you kept going with this, you'd end up with pumpkin caramels. I'm pretty sure you would, but we're not going to go that far. 12 minutes should be all you need to get the consistency that we're looking for. Anyway, I just think it's fascinating that you have to kind of convert the pumpkin itself into something new in order to be able to work it in this recipe in the way that I wanted it. I won't be publishing any of the earlier versions, so you'll never know, although you're welcome to ask me if you like cakey kinds of brownies and you'd like to try this in its original form, I'd be happy to send it to you if you will contact me on Facebook. By the way, that reminds me, I now have a Patreon site. I hope that you might consider looking at it. It's a place for you to get the printed versions of these recipes. And if you go to patreon.com, and type into the search bar, the Cook Along Podcast, you'll find me. And I made a little video there so you can see what I look like. And the recipes become available if you sign up as a patron. And I update them regularly. And anyway, that's there. Also, I hope you're telling your friends about this. If you're enjoying listening to me, please do tell your friends so that other people can get in on the fun. I am down to less than two minutes now, and this is really close. What is this like? It's almost like applesauce. You know, as it drips off the spatula, it's behaving the way kind of a thin applesauce would. So it really is becoming something new. Now, as we get into these last few moments of stirring here, you're going to want your butter at hand. Your cube of butter, we're about to put it in here. So where did I get to? Version three. Oh yeah, too dry. Was, uh, it was edible. I mean, obviously it was edible because we ate it, all of it. But it didn't stick around well. It really kind of, it, it became decidedly not exciting to eat. How's that? <laughs> How's that? <laughs> um, scrape your spatula on the side, you know, to clean it off. And it should make a really thick little drop that won't go right to the bottom. All right, 22 seconds. And when as soon as the timer beeps here, we're just going to take it off the heat, move it to the side so that it's no longer over the heating element. There we go. So move it over to one side. It's going to keep bubbling for a couple of minutes, so stir it for just a little bit so that it doesn't stick to the bottom. And then get your cube of butter unwrapped and just drop it in there. 
All right, now we're going to stir this around. What we want it to do is melt. Some people might have said, oh, you should cut it up into smaller bits so it'll melt faster. However, it's doing two things here. It's adding the butter to the recipe, which is a necessary component, that fat component. It's also helping to cool down this mixture some because we can't use it now until it's completely cool. So the butter's gonna take a minute to dissolve. Just keep stirring around, put your spatula directly on top of it and move it around so that it gets against the bottom as well as the hot liquid. And this takes a couple of minutes. It takes a few minutes because we're not just melting the butter. We also need to get all of the melted butter incorporated into the brown sugar and pumpkin mix, which it doesn't like to do. It wants to stay separate, you know, butter and oil. They don't really like to mix with things, as I'm sure you're aware. So it takes a little persuasion. So just keep stirring that pan as the butter melts and after the butter melts, you'll see that it tries to stay separate. You can stop stirring when you can't see the butter anymore, when it's all part of the mix. Uh, so while we're still stirring here, let me see, where was I? Version four, I uh, looked at a number of the pumpkin recipes on the Love From The Oven website and saw what she was doing in terms of changing the chemistry and figured out how to do that. I also kind of considered her spices and the amount of flour that she was using and the amount of eggs and all of that. And I ended up deciding that I wanted more pumpkin flavor and I wanted different spices and that all I really needed to grab from her was the how-to of converting the pumpkin into something brand new. So once I had that information, we're still stirring here, just FYI. Once I had that information, the butter is all melted, but it's just waiting to get stirred in. Very stubborn. So once I had the chemical help, I went back to my spices and my measurements and I put together something new that incorporated the best of what I had made before, but changed this chemical component. And this is version four and this is the recipe that I'm giving you today. And you will find that it is wonderfully chewy and continues to be so after several days and is quite different probably from anything else you've ever tried before. But there's more to the story because I went on to version five. Once I'd figured out how to get what I wanted, I decided I wanted to see if I could take this recipe that I'd successfully created and actually improve on it the way I might do with somebody else's recipe. So I pretended it was a, a recipe I'd found. And I thought, how would I improve in this? And I modified the spices yet again because I decided there was too much cinnamon. Anyway, like I said, what you end up here with is my curated version of the recipe. So the fifth version, oh, this is almost, this is almost all mixed in. Yeah, just this last little bit. The fifth version was perfect. I mean, it was really perfect. It was very brownie-like. It was not as chewy, but kind of 
dense and gooey like a brownie. And I put that into this taste test for my family members. And without exception, they chose version four instead of version five. Version five was, was really good and it was what I thought I wanted. But what happened is that version four turned out to be the more interesting of the two because it's different. It's really different. All right. If you wanted to try version five because you don't want something quite so chewy and you know what I'm talking about when I say uh, dense and just lightly chewy, moist, brownie kind of texture, this exact same recipe is what you want to do but you wanna cut the flour back to a cup and a half. We're gonna be using a cup and two thirds today. You wanna cut it back to a cup and a half. Everything else stays the same. But because we're looking for something fun and new and different and chewy, we're doing version four. What we wanna do now is set aside this mixture. It's all mixed up, everything's mixed up. We've cleaned off the spatula mostly and it's just going to sit. We can't do anything else with it until it cools because we, what we have to do next is, is add the egg and we can't add the egg if it's going to cook it. So we have to wait for it to cool way down. However, there are a couple of things we can do while we wait. The first thing is to take that egg, see if it's room temperature yet. Yeah, mine is close enough. I think it's close enough. And Crack it into a bowl, small bowl, and scramble it. Use a fork or a little whisk or however you would do this if you were about to scramble an egg to eat. We're just going to beat it a little bit and kind of get the white mixed in so that there aren't going to be clumps of that to deal with. And you know this is also a way to help it warm up because it's going to have to sit for a bit. So go ahead and let it sit out. We're going to just, having scrambled it now, we're going to leave it here to sit. The next thing we're going to do is compile all of our dry ingredients. And for this, you'll want a big bowl. Not huge, but sizable, because this is what we're going to mix everything in. So let's put into the bowl the flour. Now this is really important. Somewhere in my flour here, in my flour container, I have a whole spoon that's buried. I leave it in there because I've learned to stir the flour up. If you are at all interested in why I do this, you will find a blog about how to measure flour correctly on my website, which is thecookalongpodcast.com. Uh, you can look under blogs or you can just put into the search bar the word flour or measure. Either of those words should bring it up. And you can read about why we do this. But the real basic answer is because... You get too much flour if you just scoop it. And even if you just spoon it into the cup, it's denser than you want it to be. So I'm standing here stirring my flour while I'm telling you this way more than I need to. You just need to give it a light stir so that you can tell it's not packed down. And then use the spoon and spoon it into your cup, your one cup measure or your whatever you're using. We're going to need a cup and two thirds again. Spoon it in until it's up over the top and then use the handle of the spoon to level it off. It's really important for this recipe, really for any recipe, but particularly this one because it took me so long to get the flour measurement right, that you 
don't scoop it. You'll get way too much flour if you do that. Now I'm spooning in the two-thirds of a cup. This is a little trickier because I can't use the, I can't just scoop it off because I'm using a one-cup measure, an ancient one, in fact. It's an old metal tin cup that's got measurements inside. And then the measuring cup and the spoon go back in the flour container. I just keep them in there because it's all I use those for. All right, now salt. Just plain, ordinary granulated salt, hopefully not table salt. You want a half teaspoon. I say hopefully not table salt because a lot of table salt has iodine in it and you don't want iodine in it. I'm using regular sea salt. Iodine just tastes icky. Oh, you know what? There's a blog about that too. Same place, put in the word salt. It's called Kosher Table or Sea, I think is the name of the blog. Anyway, putting into here the half cup or half half cup. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the half half teaspoon of salt. And then the cinnamon. I'm using a cinnamon blend. You've heard me talk about Penzies before and I'm using their blended cinnamon. Penzies sells five kinds of cinnamon. Well, four kinds plus this blend. And I just find that easiest to not have to figure out what kind I want to use. You know, there's China, there's Ceylon, there's Indonesian, and there's Vietnamese, or Saigon as some people know it. And this is a blend of all of those, so I don't have to think. Uh, half a teaspoon of that cinnamon, of whatever cinnamon you got. Ground cinnamon goes into the bowl with the flour. And then a quarter of a teaspoon of ground cloves, a quarter of a teaspoon ground ginger, and a quarter of a teaspoon of nutmeg. And then you want to kind of whisk all of that together. You could just stir it. I'm going to use a whisk. It's just faster. Although it does make one more thing you got to wash. Mix it all together so that it's well combined. And now, my friends, we are at a waiting point. We can't do anything right now until this other mixture cools down. So we're going to go away. And when your pan of brown sugar and pumpkin has cooled to the point where you're really sure it's not going to cook the egg. Come back to me. I'm going to say that's likely to be 20 minutes, maybe. Uh, it could be longer. I mean, if you got something you got to go do, this is a good time to go do it. Go, uh, go do your laundry or um, wash your dishes or something like that. Because it could. I mean, if you if you have errands to run, this is a time you can leave the house to go do that. Because if it sits for an hour, it doesn't matter. It'll still be fine. There's no problem with it getting too cool. It, there is a problem with it being too warm. So go away. I'll see you here again soon. At this point, it wouldn't hurt to turn your oven on to preheat to 350 degrees. All right, I'll see you soon. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mm. Right, I'm just stepping back into the kitchen. This is definitely cool enough now. It's created this little crackly surface a little bit. All right, now at this point, we're going to start adding. Um, we're going to add the eggs and the vanilla. So get those out. Where the heck is my vanilla? Oh no! <sighs> there it is. So to your pan, where your brown sugar mixture is, you want to add a teaspoon of vanilla. Now those of you who listen to me a lot probably remember that I love, love Penzi's double strength vanilla. I am not using that here. I decided that vanilla being a dominant, really strong flavor was counterproductive for what I was trying to achieve. So dump the Vanilla in there, and then your scrambled egg into the pot. This is not the dry ingredients now. It's still all, egg and vanilla are both going into the pot. And this is another stirring moment, and it's another resistant ingredient. The eggs need to get all the way incorporated, and they won't want to do that. It's not quite as stubborn as the butter, but they don't like to be stirred in. And again, you want to get them stirred into the point where you can't see the egg anymore. There's no pieces of it sitting around. Now, the rest of this is pretty stinking easy. We're just going to scoop this. This is where the nonstick 
pan comes in handy. You're just going to pour this pan into your flour mixture, into that bowl that we set up. This is why it was such a big bowl. This goes in here, here. I forget. You can't see what I'm doing sometimes. I forget. It goes into the big bowl with the flour. I guess I already said that. Get it all off the spatula. Scoop as much of it in there as you can get out of the pan. And then pour in your nuts as well. And we're going to stir this up. And the reason we put it all in at the same time is because we don't want to over stir this. If you over stir it, it'll get kind of dense and tough and chewier than we want it. Harder. We don't want it hard. So stir it all together. And again, you want this flour ingredient to kind of disappear into the batter. But just barely. And it, it takes a couple of minutes. Scrape it off the sides of the bowl. Anyway, that's why we didn't add the nuts afterward. A lot of recipes, you stir in the flour and then you add the nuts. I decided that that was too much stirring and I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to take that chance. So I just decided they go in now. This has been so much fun. I have really not developed a baked recipe before from scratch in quite this way where I bake it over and over with minor variations trying to get the perfect thing. And, um, you know, it's a, it's lucky that we happen to like the flavors in this because, like I said, we had to eat a lot of it. But that didn't seem to be a problem. And it's just been scientifically and creatively fascinating. Now this is getting scooped into your prepared pan. Oops, there's some flour I missed. Clean it all out of here. And it's just going to kind of make this unruly um, mound. It's not going to spread out. We're going to have to do that ourselves. That was my oven beeping, by the way. I'm using a toaster oven. I like to cook in the toaster oven because I can. All right. And then spread this around in your greased pan until it's as even as you can get it. Kind of flat. It's not going to get really smooth, but get it as smooth as you can. And then clean off your spatula. And now I have to make a lot of noise. And you're going to do the same. We're going to kind of, well, first, we're going to pick that up and just shake it uh, front and back, I guess, front and back and side to side in order to flatten it out as much as possible and get it all settled into the bottom as best we can. And then just slam it a couple of times. I guess that didn't make a whole lot of difference. This is really thick batter. If it's really thick and you're worried about it, don't be. It's exactly what we want. Now, if you're using decorator sugar or granulated sugar, this is the moment to sprinkle that over the top. If you're going to use powdered sugar, that goes on when they're done. I'm using decorator sugar. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Lovely, lovely, lovely. And now it goes in your oven. Your preheated oven. It goes right in there. And set your timer for 30 minutes. That doesn't mean it's going to be done then. Uh, if you're using a 9 by 9 inch pan, I would set it for 25 minutes. When your timer goes off, whether it's at 25 minutes or 30 minutes... Turn the podcast back on. I'm going to go away for 30 minutes, but when your oven says it's time, come back to me. We're going to try a test on it to see if it's done at that point. I can tell you for sure it is not going to go over 35 minutes, but it's going to be somewhere between 30 and 35, unless you're using a 9 by 9 inch pan, in which case I'm just guessing, because I haven't done this, 25 to 30. Okay, come back to me in a little bit and I'll tell you what we're looking for. All right, welcome back. You want to pull that thing out. Pull out your pumpkin bars, squares, that's it. Chewy pumpkin spice squares. I had to get help naming it. (laughs) Anyway, you're going to want to pull it out and insert a knife, just an ordinary table knife, right into the middle. And what you're looking for is when you pull it out, it's maybe a little damp, but there's no goop attached to it. And that means they are done. If the knife does have goop on it, Put this back in for another three minutes. And then when three minutes are up, test it again. If it still has goop on it, give it another two minutes. And that's all. You certainly don't want it any longer than that. And if you're cooking this in a 9 by 9 inch pan so that they are thinner, you need to be even more careful. Chances are that it was done at 25 minutes. We're going to let this sit now. It has to cool. I'm going to warn you now that you don't want to even taste test this until it's completely cooled because it isn't the right texture until it's completely cooled. Have fun making this. Remember, you can get the full recipe by subscribing to my Patreon page. Until next time, happy cooking.
If you're enjoying this podcast, you can make a contribution through the supporter link on every Cook Along podcast page or go to Kofi, ko-fi.com slash the Cook Along podcast. Thanks for your support and thanks for listening.